0: RadioInfluence.com You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and
1: gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and I am so happy that you are here once again to listen to this thing we call, albeit late, and that's my fault a podcast. Glad you're here. i um, sorry this is dropping late, but I think that you will enjoy my conversation with Curtis Hughes. Um, great story and some great Harley race stories, some great uh, WCW stories. So I'm um, uh, looking forward to you guys hearing that. Do want to remind you ladies and gentlemen that this coming Friday uh, evening, Talking Shop Mania 2 will be on pay per view. And if you like Talking Shop Mania 1, you're going to love Talking Shop Mania 2 and uh, some big surprises as well. So be sure to check that out. And um, looking forward to that again as well. And uh, encouraging you, if you don't already, to follow me on Twitter at David Penzer, all one word at David Penzer. And um, no politics. We talk wrestling, fantasy football, baseball, concerts. If there ever are going to be concerts again, I hope, knock on wood. And lots of other stuff that's in no way is going to upset anybody unless we have a wrestling disagreement, which is fine. Anyway, um, want to remind you, folks, if uh, you don't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and be sure to leave a review if you can. Tell your friends and neighbors. And with that. Please welcome my guest this week. What a cool story told by Mister Hughes, ladies and gentlemen. Here this week on City Ringside with the Big Cat, Curtis Hughes, Mister Hughes in WCW, and um, Curtis, welcome to City Ringside. Honored to have you.
2: Hey, great to be with you, man.
1: Hey, you know one of the cool things that I think goes underreported a lot is is you're one of the more well-known trainers of stars of the past, uh, I'd say, decade or so, maybe more. We're going to talk to you about that as we go along. But some of the the talent that you've uh, you've trained include Moose, uh, Apollo Cruz, and Heath Slater. So uh, uh, that's not a bad resume, huh? Yeah, just to name With you,
2: I would say. You know, I mean, there's a lot more, way more than that. But, you know, we'll we'll get to that in a minute, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk. Um, Speaking about training, I find it very ironic. For those of you who, for those who don't know, uh, the territory system in in professional wrestling ended eh, probably around the uh, 1983 to 1987. That's when Vince took over and went nationwide and the territories just didn't compete. You hooked up with Sonny Myers and Bob Geigel, who uh, ran the Central States territory uh, in the mid-80s, and they took you under their their uh, their their wing and trained you. How did you hook up with those guys so late in the whole game?
2: Well, you know, I was in college. I went to Kansas State, by the way, for people that didn't know that I played college football. And uh, um, in my uh, early years as a young fellow, I used to watch wrestling and I'm from Kansas City, so Memorial Hall is where all the the shows used to take place. Uh, And they used to be on TV on Thursday night at 8 o'clock live, the whole nine yards. It was just awesome. So as a young fellow, I'd watched it, and my dad used to go, and he'd take my older brother and my sisters, and they would go. But he wouldn't take me and my other brother because we was too young, you know. But uh, I'm going to fast forward a little bit here and get up to the uh, time uh, of where I'm getting at. Um, I went to college. When I was in college, around my junior year—no, wait a minute, let me go back a little bit. When I was getting recruited out in high school to play football anywhere in the country, uh, as a uh, NCAA, they give you five visits, okay? Right. To go visit with different schools that are interested in you, so they can wine and dine you, so you can either go make your mind up to go there. Well, anyway. Uh, I had five visits, and one of my visits was at to Kansas State, and so uh, I noticed that they were playing. They're going to be. They were going to be playing Oklahoma. Now, at the time, Steve Doctor Death Williams was at Oklahoma at the time. He played uh, offensive guard. Okay, and so I, I was like, I want to go to that game because I wanted to try to talk to him about getting some information on the game of professional wrestling. I wasn't even in college yet. I was a recruit in high school, man. I was in my senior year. So I was just, you know, wanting to go to that that particular visit to the game. So I can just probably try to get some information, you know, but anyway, uh, I went there for the game. Uh, I'm on the field, you know, they got the recruits going around, you know, on the field and looking at the guys warm up and stretch and on the other end, of the end zone, Oklahoma was down there, you know, going through the routine, getting ready for the game. And I was like, here's my opportunity to mosey on down and try to have a few words with Steve Dr. Death Williams. So I eased on down to their end zone where they were warming up and stretching and going through, you know, drills. And I happened to get over there by him and I said, hey, how you doing, Steve Williams? How you doing, man? My name's Curtis Hughes. I'm a recruit here. And I will be going to Oklahoma next weekend for a visit. But uh, I'm interested in getting in the professional wrestling game. And I was wondering if you can give me a few tips, you know. Right. And I was like, I'm from Kansas. Uh, you know, I grew up in Kansas City. And as and soon as I said that, he goes, well, there's a guy down there by the name of Bob Geigel. Uh, you know he's down in Kansas city. Look him up. You know, he, he, probably can help you. And so anyway, uh, long story short, I went through, got recruited, ended up going to, the, up going to Kansas state. Uh, my junior year I, I started pursuing, making calls to Kansas city to Geigel. before I even started doing that. I went on, I, 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 I got a number to where they sold wrestling gear. So I got uh, K and H wrestling. So before I even, even got on the phone with Bob Geigel, I had already ordered my wrestling gear because I, I already knew I was going to be a wrestler. I didn't, I didn't care about going pro on football. I, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. So, so I, I ordered my red boots and my red tights and, and then I called Geigel. Geigel, you know, asked him, you know, cause he knew who I was because I was recruited by Iowa heavily. Right. And, 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 and Bob Geiger was a wrestler in college at Iowa. Uh-huh. And so I was always on TV as an athlete in Kansas City anyway, so he knew who I was. And that's how, that's how I got my uh, opportunity to talk to him because when I called him and told him my name, he knew exactly who I was. And so after I finished college, I called him back up and everything fell into place. You know, he told me, come to Morrow Hall, and I went there, and the rest is history.
1: That's how it happened. Yeah, they used to have, like, a phone number where you could call, and he would yeah. run down the matches for the next week. And I, I was exactly. such a, I didn't even, I lived in Florida. I was such a mark. I would call, I'd, I'd make a note to call every <laughs> week just so I could hear the matches. And I actually remember towards the end, you know, the big cat Curtis Hughes. will take on Tommy Rogers. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, that was,
2: it was, you know, and it was an easy address because it was, it was, the airdress was in Missouri. It was 910 Pennsylvania, which was downtown uh, Kansas City, Missouri. And the office had been there for years and years and years. And once, once, once I got, you know, got to talking to him and introduced myself, we met and I met him and went to the office. This place been here through the years of, I can remember when I was a little bitty fella. Uh, He, they, they had, uh, you know, old freaking reels of old matches. I think Geiger was throwing them in a dumpster when we went over there one day. I was like, man, if I would have known today uh that about the internet and all that man i would have grabbed all that stuff you know what i'm saying but sure. it didn't happen but it's all lost so the only thing they really have uh is some of the stuff that you know we did with geigo back in the day you know but everything else is gone you know
1: so the office of it, is in kansas the offices is in kansas city missouri but the arena correct me if i'm wrong yeah. is in, was in kansas city kansas Correct.
2: Right. Exactly. Yep. It was called and, Memorial Hall, downtown Kansas City, Kansas. Yeah. Right across the street from the Kansas City, Kansas police station. I'll, I'll never forget. All that. I'll
1: never forget the first time when I was with WCW, and we went to that area. And they were like, "Yeah, yeah the, we flew into Kansas City, Missouri." They're like, "Yeah, the buildings in Kansas City." I'm like, "Yeah, that's what we flew into." And they're like, "No, Kansas City, Kansas." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, "Kansas City, Kansas." I'm like, "There's a Kansas City, Kansas, and a Kansas City, Missouri." And and <laughs> right. you wonder it's how many river. you <laughs> wonder how many people don't don't you know don't know that because uh right yeah. you know people just hear Kansas City, Missouri. You very rarely hear about Kansas City, Kansas. But it was a hell of a wrestling town. We used to go there. I forget. Oh, some some mosque or something that we would play there and uh and and the crowds were great um
2: so oh, yeah. sunny every every thursday for years yeah
1: Sonny myers was known as a pretty tough cookie did um th- did your reputation help you as to not get stretched like he would have probably stretched others in your in your shoes that were trying to get in the business
2: yeah you know what with me uh being that guygo knew who i was and he, he you know he knew i was a uh, uh, highly recruited athlete and uh, all, uh, three sport All American. I mean, he knew my whole whole young career. I was I was amazed how he f- uh, followed me because he told me because he goes up. Uh, he goes, yeah, I know you almost went to Iowa because I because I almost did go to Iowa. I went there two summers in a row to get some to football camp, you know, because I wanted to you know be good. I wanted to make it. I, I wanted to, you know, to make it in football as far as pros, but my heart was in, in wrestling, and so uh, I went there two summers in a row to Iowa. I, had, I went there for a visit, and, and and I, you know, I pretty much told them I would love to come there. They had already made my jersey and everything, so I guess you know, heard about that. And, you know, when I called him, he knew exactly, he goes, yeah, I know who you are Curtis Hughes. How are you doing? You know, you're a great athlete. And so he's putting me over pretty good. I was surprised. And he
1: said, but why didn't you come was, to Iowa?
2: <laughs> yeah, he did ask me that. And then I told him, I was like, well, you know, I had, you know, I went to K-State and, you know, they gave me a, some girls and, and a couple of dollars. And we went out and partied and, did, you know, how young, you know, young and dumb, you don't know no better. And, you uh, mean
1: you mean that they actually would, would they actually would uh, and we're not talking about any schools in particular, but you mean that schools actually would take recruits and like bring them to strip clubs and take them out to bars and stuff? Come on,
2: man. Mm. Let me tell you something. I can't if believe they really wanted you. Okay, if even though uh, as a as a blue chipper, all American, parade, all American. I mean, I was all McDonald's, all that, They they, they. they this this coach from the high school has to had has to inform the student, athlete, the rules of NCAA. And I can remember my coach, Coach Curtis pulling me in the football office and sitting down talking to me, saying to me that, you know, Curtis, you gotta be real careful, you know, you're highly recruited, so they're watching you. So make sure you do not take anything from recruiters or or any money or, you know, if they promise you anything, don't, you know, tell nobody, so forth and so on. And so, anyway, I I, 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 I knew I was highly recruited and a lot of schools wanted me. They, they, the big-time coaches I knew from Barry Switzer to, you wow. know, all the coaches back then, they used to call my mom all the time. They used to come to my mom's house. They used to come there to talk to both of us, her and me, and, I can remember coming home from school, having stacks and stacks of letters from all over the country of, of coaches and schools wanting me to go to their school, even Notre Dame. I can go, all, I mean, from, I mean, everywhere, hear me? And like I said, when I went to K-State, um, you know, they, they had a couple of guys that, uh, played for, they had one guy play for the Chiefs, I forgot his name, but he had tucked me around. He had a Porsche. I mean, he was just whining and dining me big time. You know what I mean? And uh, I can't remember his name right off the bat. But as I'm talking, if I remember, I'll uh, I'll, I'll yeah. throw it in there. But uh, I mean, he took me and, and just whined and dining me, man. And, and then and <laughs> you know, got me with these pretty girls. And, and 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 next thing you know, I was like, yeah, I'm coming here. Plus, it was close to my hometown too, so my mom could come watch me play. You know. Yeah.
1: That was yeah, the real. So, that was the real reason. The girls are just gravy. But um, just just to yeah. be clear, so we don't get ourselves in trouble. That I don't think that really happens anymore. I think they've uh, they've. You no, might, it don't yeah. I think yeah. that was the old days. It's all okay, okay now, man. Yeah, <laughs> they've, they've clamped down on that at least. Uh, at least yeah.
2: publicly.
1: Do you ever yeah. wonder? How your career might've been different if you had started three or four years earlier when the territories were hot. Did Geigel ever say to you, Hey man, I wish you were here, you know, in early eighties. Cause I could have, you know, I could have put you on top and, you know, made you a huge well, baby. Well,
2: that's a good question because I think things happen in life for individuals for a reason in certain times of life. And, uh, myself particularly, um, when I got in contact with Geigel, okay, I was, I'm going to tell you how good this guy was to me, man. Okay. When I was in college, uh, I dated this girl. She was on the track team at K state. I think I was in the 11th. I think it was, uh, my, uh, junior year. And she was on the track team. I was on the football team. Anyway, long story short, uh, back then they had landlines, you know, uh, so I'm in the apartment and we're both chilling and it was like three or four in the morning. We both sleep it, in the phone rings. Right, so I get up and go and answer the phone, and it was some dude from Texas. She must have met on track meet down in Texas. Well, uh, when I was in college, I worked at a bar bouncing. So you know, so you have money because on scholarship, you know, you ain't yeah. They, you know, they pay for your room and board, and that's it. You can't have no other money from from the school. You have to make your own money, right? So I got a job bouncing at a bar. Well, it was around my birthday. Birthday around that time it was in winter. And got that call that night, that morning, and I was really mad and upset. Pretty, pretty much broke my heart because I knew she was cheating on me. Well, I went to the I went to the bar on my off day and just started drinking, you know, and got drunk and all that. And, went and I wanted to talk to her, so I went over to her apartment, you know, and knocked on the door. She didn't wanna. She cracked the door. She had a chain on the door, and I wanted to talk to her, and she didn't want to let me in because she said, oh, you've been drinking. Go back and come back tomorrow. I was like, no, I will talk to you now. Anyway, long story short. I put the door open, chain broke, went in. Now, mind you, I was drunk and skunk. I was drinking, right? So right. we sit down on the floor talking. Next thing I know, a cop is waking me up. <laughs> I'm going like, what the hell? I was like, oh, you called the cops on me? What you do that for? Anyway, the alcohol kicked in, and then it was you know it was two little small cops, so you know, I was about uh, you know three ninety, you know what I'm saying. So the liquor kicked in, and I just tore the place up, just 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 demolished the place, okay? I can see I can see
1: this I can see this story coming <laughs> since you said I went in and started drinking because I was pissed off on my off day. but anyway, go on,
2: yeah, and uh, so I just you know started trashing the place. Anyway, they took me to jail. Um, I, I got I, I I got out. Went to court eventually, and so they put me on restitution. To pay you know for criminal damage to property. That's what they charged me with. Right. And so they gave me time to pay for all this damage I've done. And uh, so I finished up with school, and then I went back home. Okay, went home back to Kansas City, and so i was supposed to sit there in restitution for the criminal damage stuff. And uh, so I was not giving them any money. So they come up with another hearing. So I had to go back to court. So the judge wanted to know what the hell is going on. Why you ain't paying us no money? He goes, you think just because you're an athlete that, you, you know, you can get away with this stuff. And so I did that twice. I did that twice. And the third time I went to court, the judge was like, look, Curtis, I don't know. Who you think you're playing with here? We gave you an ample amount of time to pay this restitution. You haven't gave one cent. So therefore we're going to give you 120 days. <laughs> oh Lord. I'm going to say what? So when he said 120 days, I cried like a girl because I couldn't believe that they actually was going to do that. Anyway, they sent me to Topeka, Kansas. Now before they see, when you go to jail, uh, in some places, they send you to a place to evaluate to see how much security you need uh, as far as your uh, stay in, in jail or whatever. So they right. send me to Pika, Kansas, to this uh, this place to evaluate you. But that place is where everybody goes. I mean, I'm talking about the hard criminals. Everybody they go here, and then they they, 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 they figure out where they are gonna send you. See, it's, like, it's like it's like it's like
1: Rikers Island in New York City.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so once they determine, okay, he's a low key, he's low key, you know, we'll send him to a minimal spot. So basically they sent me to, while I was in there, that's when I was trying to get into business, right? I had already talked to Geigel, had already started, you know, training to be a wrestler. This happened when I started to train to be a wrestler. Right. And Mm -hmm. so with that said, uh, they threw me in jail, <laughs> so for 120 days. Now for that 120 days, I'm writing Geigel. First of all, when I was in Topeka, when they sent me there, I wrote Geigel a letter. I was like, "Oh man, I need to, I need to talk to, tell him what's going on," because he gonna probably say, "What the hell happened to Curtis?" Yeah. So I wrote him a letter, you know, sent it to 910 Pennsylvania where the office was, and I had let him know what happened, what was going on. Right now, I didn't think he was going to write me back, but he did. Oh, huh. So I told him what was going on. He wrote me back, saying, "Hey, whatever you got going on, take care of it. When you get done with it, get back with me." Now, when he when he sent me that letter like that, that gave me so much confidence that my career that I was trying to pursue was not dead. Okay, so so I did my time. They sent me to Wichita, Kansas, after they realized that I was a low low key criminal, right? They sent me to this farm in Wichita, Kansas. I worked in the kitchen as a cook and I had a job at a gym and I was going, every morning I'd get out and go to the gym and I'd make some money so I could pay the restitution on the furniture I tore up. Finally, I paid the furniture. I paid the restitution, finished my 120 days, got out, went back to Kansas city and and started where I left off like nothing ever happened. And so with that said, I think, you know, I was really blessed that that you know the good lord looked out after me and blessed me with uh people like bob Geigel and sonny Myers, and i did not have to pay one red cent to get trained wow not one cent. yeah it worked out great
1: yeah other than the 120 days in jail but uh that could, well, be, humbling. Yeah, well, that could be humbling. well could be
2: humbling i guess you let me tell you let me tell you this that 120 days what you call scared me straight, let me tell you, yeah. because after that, I did not ever get in no more trouble ever. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad that the judge did that to me, because actually I sent the judge a letter. I wrote the judge a letter and thanked him, you know, for, you know, scared me straight. And he sent the letter. He sent me a letter back saying, hey, my job is to help people. You know, it ain't just to, you know, mess people's lives up. I mean, he knew I was a young, dumb, stupid young person that needed to get his hands slapped a few times to wake up. You understand? And so, you know, sometimes you got to do that with people. That's how a lot of people uh, 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 go straight uh, from getting in trouble because they, you know, the, the person, the judge just say, hey, I'm going to send you in, the, you know, for 120 days or whatever the case. And you get in that jailhouse, you'd be like, dude, this is not the place I want to be. I'm not going to act a damn fool no more, you know?
1: Well, I spent about 120 minutes in county jail when I was 21 years old. I got, I got pulled over for driving with the. I don't think I've ever told the story on the podcast, driving uh, with a suspended license that ended up actually not being suspended, but they didn't know that at the time. And um, yeah, yeah, they take you down and and they put me in a they put me in a holding cell and and I'm scared out of my mind, Broward County Jail. And um, yeah, you know, little five foot six, you know, white guy, non athletic, you know, going into a and then so then. They pulled me out and they're like, um, "We need to do a strip search." And I was like, Uh-oh. "For for driving with a suspended license?" And they were like, "Is that yeah. what you're here for?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Well, we had you in with the felons. You're in the wrong." Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Okay. I'm like, "Well, I, yeah. it's a good thing that you you pulled me out before somebody uh, before I got hurt." Potentially, because yeah. I wasn't talking to anybody. So they put me in with the with the, the lesser offenders. But I will tell you one thing I noticed in the whole process. It doesn't matter if you're a serial murderer or if you jaywalked right. or if you drove with a suspended license. When you're in that system, they show – maybe maybe they do for athletes or something like that or Hollywood stars, but they show no favorites. You get treated the same exact way. And I'll never forget, it was the night that um, uh, Magic Johnson announced that he has had AIDS. And so oh, all yeah. of the people, all of the people, that, all the guards and the processors were watching the TVs, you know, watching the breaking news because Magic right. Johnson back then was it was a hero to everybody. It didn't matter, yeah. you know, who you were, what color, what, you know, what nationality, Magic Johnson was a superstar. And so it took no like. So they, 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 I'll never forget that because it probably took like three hours longer if Magic Johnson hadn't announced that because they were all glued to the TV. But anyway, long story yeah. short, I decided at that time and I passed on to my children that jail is something you don't want to flirt with, not even a little bit. No. no but uh, no. So 120 days has to certainly be. Uh, uh, yeah. Life altering for sure. Hey, let's move to WCW. That's sort of I got to know you. I was uh, stooging around back there. You came in. Mm-hmm. I believe you came in and under, did Ole bring you in? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Ole brought me in. Yes. Ole was booking and Ole was bringing, he was trying, he brought in maybe 20 or 30 young kind of green talent, talent uh, athletic guys. He, I think going back, you know, he had created the Road Warriors, and they were young, green, athletic yeah. guys, and they clicked. And I kind of think he was just bringing everybody in that he could, trying to to to, to see who would click. You actually did right. better. You actually did better than most. A lot of those guys, you know, Firebreaker Chip and guys like that, um, yeah, they didn't really last. But you actually you you, you hooked on with um, with Luger and Harley, which was a great spot. Um, talk to me about going to WCW and what your thoughts were at the time. You know, it was the second biggest company in the, in, in the country, but it certainly wasn't a bastion of, uh, success by any means.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you know, as a younger athlete, uh, before I got actually got in contact with, with Geigle them, uh, you know, in college I'm watching, you know, wrestling and and then, and then, uh, uh, I happened to see, When I got a little close to being done, I happened to notice while I was watching WCW and I happened to see Luger on there. Right now I was like, damn, this is a big old white dude, man. Damn. he look good. You know what I mean? Like, like he was just chiseled out of stone, you know, and I'm, I'm watching, you know, the road warriors and I mean, you know, rock and roll express. I mean, all the WCW stars back then. And, uh, uh, you know, so, so. When 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 WCW called me, uh, what happened was, uh, I, at the time the girl I was dating, I was over her house a lot. So a buddy of mine, TC Carter, you might know him.
1: Yeah, I uh, remember
2: TC. How's he doing? Is he all right? He's doing, he's doing real good. He's down in he's down in Florida, and good. in Orlando. And uh, anyway, he we used to hang out all the time, and he was training with me when I started. But anyway, uh, uh, they called. Cause he used to, you know, do stuff with, you know, you know, jobs. He used to do stuff when they come to Kansas City. Sure. Well, uh, so they had his number. So they were, I guess, Bob Geigel told them, you know, once they uh, seen me on ESPN uh, with AWA, uh, you know, they were trying to reach me, and I guess Geigel gave uh, them TC's number, and so they called him and left a message with TC to, you know, hand it over, the message over to me. So TC had brought the message over. I wasn't there, but he put it on the door. And me, and, me and the girl I was dating was at the laundromat. So we came back from the laundromat and seen this note on the door and said, yeah, uh, WC, TC was like, yeah, TC, uh, WCW wanted you to call them. What? You know, I'm like, what the hell is this? WCW. I was already trained. I was already doing TVs up the ESPN, the uh, AWA. And so I was like, well, well what this, this is interesting. So I had called the office, the WCW office. And so Jody gets on the phone and we start talking. Right. And Jody was like, yeah, this is uh, yeah. How you doing Curtis? You know, we check, we saw you, uh, uh you, you know, AWA, you're a great athlete. You do all a lot of good things that we're interesting in. And he goes, we're looking for somebody to bring in to work with Luger, right? Because at the time, me and Luger had the same finish, ah. which was the torture rack. I, I used to do the torture rack when I was in AWA It's Big Cat huge, right? And so I guess they saw what I can do, drop kicks and all that other stuff, and I was a big, look, good-looking guy. So they was like, yeah, we, we want to bring you in and work your angle with Luger and uh, having torture rack matches. How much would you charge to come in and work with Luger. Well, hell I didn't know I I was making 50 bucks a night with Geigel, and I was making 120, 150 bucks at TV taping with freaking AWA. So, you know, I, I wasn't going to, I didn't, wasn't going to undersell myself. So I'm sitting there going like, uh, well, uh, let me see, you know, trying to see if he'll throw a number at me, see, and yeah. then he threw a number at me. He said, yeah, you know, we you 300 a night, you know? I was like, okay, <laughs> right? I mean, I, that's more money I ever made. In, How much? In one they? freaking three hundred a night. They brought in three hundred a night, right? Oh, and they got that's you, they got you they cheap. Access. Exactly, but I didn't know no better. See, I didn't know no better. But that was more money I ever made at, sure. at a, on a wrestling gig. So I was happy with that starting sure. out. See, sure. and sure. so finally they said, all right, we're going to." Uh, you know, we need your name and, and all that so they can get you in flight and all that. And uh, I say, all right, we're going to fly you in and, uh, you know, we are going to do your first TV taping, so make sure you be at center stage. <laughs> you know, I'm going like, all righty. And so, and that's how it all started, man. I came down and met with uh, 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 Oli and Jody and uh, Magnum T.A., and everybody and, they, and, and and that's when everything started man and you know and, they, and once I, when I, when they said I was going to work with Luger, let me tell you something i was in another state of mind because when i saw that guy on tv he was bigger than life to me because he was just a big old dude that i hadn't seen like that so it's a freaking you see guys on the bodybuilding stage but this guy is out there wrestling you know what i'm saying yeah. and he was like one of the top of the guy, one of the top guys there and so they 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 put me with him. You understand? And so you know we traveled. They hooked. We hooked up together. We were tra- You know, going all over the country doing torture rack matches. You know, but I I can say this: the first time we had a few matches, man, I had some issues with Luger because he did not want to sell my stuff. He he thought I was just some green young stupid dude that didn't know nothing. You understand? And well, so I got you. you know, I got
1: you. I was there. And so
2: and so. Geigel and Sonny trained me well because they always told me, make sure you protect yourself. You know, if you get in a situation, make sure you protect yourself. What they were telling me is, you're going to run across stuff like this. And so, as soon as I saw it, I was aware of what he was doing. And I told the ref, man, I, you know, he was in the ring doing some stuff. I mean, I'd punch him, he wouldn't sell. I'd give him a big boot to the gut, he wouldn't sell it. I would give him a headbutt, and he wouldn't sell it, you know the history of black guys with hard heads. And I'm going, this is one of my main things. Why is this guy not selling it? So anyway, we figured out a way and I took a powder, see, right. And it was a house show and I took a powder. And I, as I was out on the floor, uh, he was the baby face. I was the heel. And the people are, uh, I'm telling the ref, you know, come here ref, you know, tell Luger, I'm, you know, sell my stuff, man. I'm here. You know, he brought me in, you know, to work with this guy so we can try to draw some money. I knew that much, okay? So, anyway, the ref goes over there, and I'm climbing up on the apron. He goes over there and tell Luger what I just said. And, uh, you know, we, we start the match again, and finally he starts doing a little bit to where we could end up go, finishing up the match. Well, we get done. I go in the back in the dressing room, and I'm waiting for him back there because I want to have a few words with him, man. I'm not, I'm not no punk, man. Yeah. So he finally comes in. I'm going, yo, what's up, man? I mean, you know, they brought me in to work with you so we can work together and draw some money. You're not selling my stuff. I was like, look, dude, if you don't want to work with me, man, we just go talk to Ole about it, you know? And after I had that conversation with him, everything else was fine. After we did that, after I confronted him about it, we had good matches after that. They had no more trouble, no more.
1: The ironic yep. part about that, and Lex has been on this podcast and he talked about it, is in 1986, and I was actually there live in Fort Lauderdale. Bruiser yeah. Brody did the same thing to him, and to where, which oh. point, I don't know if you ever saw this on the internet. To which point, it was a cage match. He actually just hopped out of the cage and walked out because Brody wouldn't sell anything yeah, for I've him.
2: Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen you, that. You, yep. think would, you think he would? You
1: think you'd think he would understand? And look, Luger's a changed guy now. I, I see Lex now. He, he asked about my kids. He's a great guy. He went yeah. through a rough time and and God bless him, and I'm glad he's he's in a good place of mind, but back then you know yeah. he was a little cocky, but you'd think you'd have thought that the brody thing would have taught him hey you know if the yeah. green guy oh, if yeah. the green new guy comes in and they're trying to give him a little push, sell for him because the, the same thing yeah. happened but that's what this crazy but business could do for you. Go you ahead. know what he you know what
2: we we did a we did a few fan fest together, they had us sitting next to each other, yeah. Uh, this has been uh, not too long ago. Uh, we was up in uh, well, we was in uh, where, we was up in uh, Roanoke, Virginia, and we was uh, some other place. Anyway, we're sitting next to each other, just talking, you know, just reminiscing. And he actually apologized to me about that after all this time, he, 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 he just said, he goes, Hey cat, man, you know, that time we had that, you know, the, those matches or whatever, and I didn't sell your stuff. Hey man, I, my bad, man. I, you know, he humbled himself to tell me that he didn't have to say nothing to me. I mean, I already knew that, you know, he didn't really mean it, but you know, he, but at that time he, he actually told me. And so when, once he did that, I really had more respect for him for doing that. Okay. Man, he didn't have to say a damn thing, you know?
1: Yeah, he's extremely humble right now. Uh, now and and yeah. and you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it had to go through hell to get to the bright side. But but uh, but Sometimes I'm glad. That's like what I,
2: happens with people, you know. Sometimes uh, so, it has to be like that, you know.
1: Sort of like a little mini 120 days in Topeka. Um, yeah. Hey. Um, so Luger turned heel. Flair left them high and dry. You'll remember. Everybody panicked. It was I think it was the Great American Bash in Baltimore. Luger uh, against Wyndham, the two number one contenders for the world title that Flair had taken with him. And, um, and they turned Luger heel and they put you as his bodyguard and Harley Race as his manager. Uh, how how far in advance did you, if, if at all, did you find that out? And what were your thoughts? Because especially, uh, you know, growing up in Kansas where Harley was, that was where he lived, that uh, uh, must have been yeah. something special.
2: Oh, no doubt, man. No doubt. Harley is the main reason why I got into wrestling. I used to watch him and Rufus R. Jones go at it all the time. And that is what I used to watch those two when they had their big angle going on, they got color. I mean, they did whatever it took to get the match over. But at that particular time, when they were running their angle together in Kansas City, I mean, I I, I used to just sit in front of the TV when the was close to being coming on and just, you know, as soon as that sucker come on, man, I was fired up and ready to watch it. So I've been watching Harley ever since I was a little bitty dude, see? And so once I got bit, from that wrestling bug when I was a little dude, I always said, I want to do that when I grow up. And it was a right. reason because Harley race and, 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 uh, and Rufus R Jones, those are the two I saw. And so when I got grown and, and got into the business and I had an opportunity to meet Harley in Kansas city, right. uh, before I even got to big time, you know, that was a dream come true to me. Now on top of all that, when I got the freaking WCW, and they put us together and we started riding together, man. I'll tell you what I was like, I was in heaven because I was like, I'm sitting in the car riding down the road with him and Luger going, my God, I can't believe this guy. I used to watch as a little bitty dude. Here I am in the car with him drinking
1: beer, riding down the highway, going to a gig. Probably at about a hundred, probably at about 150 miles an oh hour. God, he's
2: God, driving. He, yeah. He's driving like crazy. Cause I remember when me and Luger and him used to ride together, those two would go play golf. Then I'd have to drive to the, to the next town. Well, the next morning we go, we get up to go ahead to the next town. Cause those guys been out honky tonking all night long. I they sleep. I drive and Harley would you know tell me to put the pedal down. Cause we running late, <laughs> you know, and I'm going as fast as I feel I can go. But he was like, go ahead and put the pedal down a little more. I'm going like, well, I don't want us. I want us to make it, you know. I mean, I remember ride with him. He was going. I mean, we were late. I think we're in. Uh, we were there somewhere in in, in Richmond or Roanoke, one of them. We had to go to freaking New York, and we were those guys were playing golf, and they were coming. They got back late, and so we had to hurry up and get to freaking New York for uh, to the Meadowlands, man. And Harley was driving, right? No, I was driving, but he was telling me to move it. And I'm, I'll say, I think, well, let me show this man. I got some balls. And so, man, I'm weaving in and out of cars at freaking damn near 90 miles an hour. We was in a one of them big town car, Lincoln's man. And, uh, that freaking car was floating, but we got there on time though. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, good job kid. And then after that, after the show, he'd have a cooler, of ice cold beer and Luger would have his, what he drunk in the cooler. Everything was in the cooler. And then I would drive back, and those guys would drink as I'm driving. He's trying to hand me beers. I'm trying to drive. I'm like, no, I can't do that, Harley. I, got, I can't. We, we, I'm trying to kill us all. I got to drive. It's a Whole different you know. world,
1: man. It's a whole different world.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So with that, uh, I had opportunity in my early years to wrestle Harley. Oh, like wow. when he had when he had came back from from uh, WWF after he had that belly injury, right. After he healed up, he had came back to Kansas City, and he bought some of the Kansas City territory, see? So him and Geigel was together. Him, Geigel and uh, Bulldog Bob Brown, and Pat O'Connor. All those guys were, had a, 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 some kind of ownership in the company. Right. And when he came back and healed up, Geigel booked me and him on the show up in Omaha. We rode oh, together. Right. Man, I'll tell you what, I was, I was in hog heaven on that one because that's the first time I actually got that close to him and uh, we got to know each other uh, in, in Central States, and then so when I got to K- Atlanta here with WCW, uh, we already knew each other, so everything was cool when they put me, him, and Luger together. Which everything worked out great.
1: Did, I'm assuming the answer is yes, but did you? I'm assuming you got to go to at least a couple of barbecues at Harley's house when we were working in that area, huh? No, no, I never
2: did. I never did. Uh, I never did go to Harley's house. Uh, I, I, I did some shows for him, but I never went to his house. Yeah. Though he used to—I <laughs> I think did. it was
1: probably after you were gone. He used to have because uh, I wouldn't have been in the road on the road by in '92, which is when you left. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it was after that. But. um yeah my, my dad you know when, when I was a kid I was a huge wrestling fan my dad's a psychologist he could care less about wrestling he would go we'd sit in the third yeah. row in Miami yeah. Beach my dad would read Time Magazine and I'd be watching the matches but he would pay attention and so Harley was the touring world champion back then and um, so you know when I first got in the business you know talked to my dad you know hey how's it going yeah oh I, I got I had a drink with Ric Flair the other night we we're talking he's really cool oh that's okay that's cool yeah uh, what else is going on oh Rock and Roll Express man uh, I'm getting to be, you know, they're they're actually really cool. You know, they're to kind of taking me under their wing. That's really cool. Oh, I got yeah. to go to a barbecue at Harley's house, and he was like, "Oh, now I'm impressed." <laughs> <You> know, that <laughs> yeah, was because yeah. for him, he that was the world champion, and then and, and to, exactly. you know he still brings that up. You know, that's still like out of all the things I've done in this crazy business for him to highlight. But um, were you exactly. there in the dungeon when Harley and uh, Butch Reed cleared out the tables and chairs and and had a, like a little shoot?
2: I don't, you know, I heard about it. I don't know if I probably was up in the room with a rat somewhere. I, you know, cause I, cause I, believe me, I stayed, I stayed at the dungeon for a lot of years, brother. I stayed at that was like my second home. You know, matter of fact, that's the first place I actually stayed when I started coming back and forth from Kansas City to Atlanta. You know, because all the boys used to hang out there, man. It was a great freaking spot. I mean, it happy. You, go, you went spot. down to the dungeon and then you went upstairs with a rat. You know, it was. Uh, great. I was I, I
1: was happily, happily married at the time, but yes, many people did who were not who were not married. Yes, but I just right, yeah, I just yeah. enjoyed drinking and getting to hang out with the guys. But yes, if you then, wanted yeah, you <laughs> if you wanted it, you could have it. I will say that. Oh for yeah, sure.
2: you know, and, and, and back in the day, uh, in the early years of my career, yeah, when I started going on the road here. You know, today it's not the same as far as rats go, bro. Because I can remember back in the day, rats were loyal. I mean, if you didn't have no car, if your driving license was suspended, you can count on a rat to take you to the gig. You didn't have to ride with the boys all the time because, you know, you always had one of the rats take you, give you a ride, you you know, show you a good time while you're on the road. I mean, feed you, you name it. You know, but Today, that,
1: those days are gone, brother. I can't. I told this story before. I was sitting in a bar after WCW Monday Night Show uh, with a, somebody that you would know, and and I'll tell you off air, but I don't want to stooge him off. But he looked at me. He goes, "Look around," and I said, "What am I looking at?" He goes, "All the rats." I said, "There are none." He goes, "No, they're guys. They're all guys." Because there was there, the guys started following us. The girls had no interest, um,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. It
1: didn't it didn't impact my life, but uh, but it certainly, uh, it, it, you know, some of the guys were used to, uh, you know, uh, you know the girls pick even if they didn't partake. The girls would pick them up and drive them to the to the town, That's drive right. them back, they, right. but save save the trans money. So uh, so anyway, yeah. so why why did you? It seemed like everything was going well. Why'd you leave in ninety two?
2: Well, uh, here's the deal. The, my, first of all, uh, I didn't mention it, but after my run with Luger, okay, uh, um, Dusty came in because uh, Oli was on his way out. And so Dusty got the book, right? So when Dusty got the book, that's when they gave me a contract, see? Before, when I came in as Big Cat, I was on a nightly deal, Right? Right. Then Dusty got the book. Well, when Dusty got the book, he came to me and he goes, "Hey Curtis, I uh, hate cat, because everybody called me Big Cat." He goes, "Hey Big Cat," he he used to call me Lawrence Taylor too. <laughs> he goes, "Hey LT," <laughs> L- 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 he would say, "Hey LT, yeah. I got it, I got I got I got something for you." He goes, "This is what I'm going to do for you. I believe your career would be a lot, eat better for you." you know, big cat's a good character, whatever, whatever. He goes, We gotta utilize your athleticism here. He goes, uh, we're gonna I'm gonna change your gimmick. He goes, You heard of Big Bubba. You remember Big Bubba Rogers? I was like, Yeah. He goes, Well, we're gonna do a bodyguard gimmick. See how you how you work out with that. He goes, How you feel about that? I was like, Whatever you want me to do. I'm down with it. So 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 I was like, so you want me to be a bodyguard gimmick, like, like big Bubba type of thing. He goes, yeah, but put your own little twist to it. And so I was like, so what do you, what, what, what my name going to be? He goes, well, come up with something and let me know. And so I sit there, I waited about an hour and thought about it. And I said, like, well, the hell we got Mr. T and my name was Hughes. And I said, well, I just call myself Mr. Hughes. There you go. And so I went back to Dusty and I say, like, Hey, Dusty, how's uh, the bodyguard, Mr. Hughes sound? He goes, yeah, we'll use that. Right. So, so what I did is I I, I watched all the most of the matches I could of Big Bubba Rogers, uh, of Ray Trailer. And I wanted to not be the same character because I don't want people to get us confused. So I was like, okay, let me see what he does when he walks to the ring. Okay, he does this when he gets in the ring. All right, he does that. He takes his jacket off. Sometimes he takes his tie off, he takes his glasses off, takes his hat off, takes his jacket off. Right. Take his gloves off. So I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm going, wait a minute. If I'm supposed to be this big, bad SOB bodyguard, I got to figure out a way to leave some stuff on. So the main thing I decided to leave on was my shades and the gloves. Everything else came off. You know, the tie stayed on. I took the jacket off, the shades, the hat came off and that's it. And so I had to figure out a way to keep those shades on, right? Right. Cause i was having issues every time i tried the wrestlers the uh sports strap i take a big bump and they fly off <laughs> right I was like damn it that ain't gonna work it but i used to wear the black electrical tape around my wrist i still do i wear electrical black tape and it stretches see That's and right. so a, a little light off went off in my head and i was like i can use this tape here it stretches so what i ended up doing was putting the tape around the head, uh, on the inside and the outside and take the ends up and they stayed on real snug. Right. And then I had the other issue I had was they kept getting fogged up and I couldn't see a bloody thing. <laughs> okay. And so on my car, I bought this car from Wee Anderson, no
1: referee. He's the one who, he's the one blue. who, he's the one who showed me the ropes in the business. Right. He had, he had this old blue, uh, a uh, uh, uh,
2: Cadillac Broham, right? And he, he, he was, he was, happy, he was uh, wanting to sell it, like $2,500. And I didn't have a car when I was here, so I bought his car, right? And so uh, 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 we uh, – I, I, so I, I, I put the tape around, and and, 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 and so anyway, I have a few matches. I couldn't see nothing, but on my car that I bought from him uh, – it used to fog up inside and outside. So I had bought this defogger to put on the, on the windows so it, wouldn't def- so it wouldn't fog up. Right. So I was like, man, a light went off in my head. I was like, damn, I got some defogger in the trunk. So I went to the, pull it out and rubbed some on the glass inside and out, right? right. And I had some matches, and it, that problem was gone, right? And so once I actually started having matches, and they, and I started, you know, I bought everything brand new. Everything was brand new. I had double stitch right off the rack, right? I mean, I didn't think I didn't I didn't I didn't realize I was going to wrestle in the stuff, <laughs> but they put me right away. They put me to work right away. See, so I had to go out there and wrestle in the stuff. I, this suit I just bought, right? And so ever since that point, and they saw the gimmick. I mean, I just walked out and did my thing. You know, I, I kept the shades on, I kept the gloves on, and I'm doing drop kicks. And, and once once Dusty seen that I could do this gimmick, he let, me, he let the reins go on that mother. I mean, he started giving me enhancement guys, jobbers for people that don't know. He started giving me double handicap matches. I mean, I was doing it all, man. And then, after all that, then he said, "Hey, we go." That's when they gave him my first contract, you know, making over you know hundred and some thousand dollars a year. I was like in heaven. I was like, "Man, sure. I'm rich now." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, he got, life was good. And then he says, "All right, we're gonna stick you with Lux Luger, and he gonna win that big um, heavyweight belt from Ron Simmons because Ron was he's was gonna fight Ron for it because he's first black heavyweight champ or something like that." they were supposed to do a. They did a big angle down there in freaking. I think it's Augusta where they did this big press conference and and they all you know we, you know we it's all online. I mean you know we ran to the limo and after him and and uh, Ron they went at it up on the platform there and we all run into the car. I slammed Luger's leg, my leg with the door. I mean it was crazy, but but that was when all that started. And then you know. All they wanted me to do was just stand there, <laughs> you know, and look bad, right? And then eventually, you know, I started doing matches, you know, and which was, which, you know, and that, that's actually what, you know, catapulted that character because of those shades, man. And I don't think uh, anybody has ever, they tried, but it didn't do it. You know, they tried, but they, they can't seem to figure out how to keep those shades on, you know.
1: So what which, What which, led to your departure? Because oh, you were yeah, over. Because I mean, you were over. Bad. Oh yeah.
2: So anyway, uh, so anyway, um, with that said that my, the reason why is that, okay, you know, I was, they, I went from big cat, then they trade, then they turned me into the bodyguard. Okay. Well, uh, my contract was about ready to expire. Right. Cause it was one of them contracts, you know, uh, one year, you know, if we renew it, it goes on. Well, they didn't, they, they didn't want to renew it. Right. So, they were trying to get me to quit. I ain't no damn fool. I'm going to get all my money. So <laughs> so, uh, they were, well, so what they ended up doing was they was trying to revert me back to Big Cat. Okay? After this big run I had with Luger uh, as the bodyguard with him and Holly Race, now they want to switch me back over to Big Cat because they wanted me to quit. Then they stuck me with Dog, see? What happened with that angle I'm wrestling dog. He gives me a head, but my glasses break. I'm baby face now. See? And so now they turn me back to big cat. Well, I already knew I was almost at the door. As soon as my contract was done there, they, I'm gone. So that's what happened. They, 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 they wanted me to quit because my run was over. It was done. You know, I think, I think, uh, 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 what happened, I think too, that one day I had a match with, uh, it's online on YouTube. I had a match with uh, Dustin. Okay. It was a TV match, right? And (laughs) they, in the back, Dusty wanted me to put Dustin over in 30 seconds, right? Yep. 30 seconds, right? And I'm going like, (laughs) ain't no damn stupid fool. I got, you understand. I mean, you know, and uh, Payas Watley was there at the time and Junkyard Dog was there. And, 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 uh, and I asked both of them, what should I do? They want me to go out here on TV and put this kid over in 30 seconds. He goes, Penn was like, look, you know, it is what it is, man. You're black. Okay. You're getting, a lot, you're getting paid pretty good. You know, it's just, you, we leave that one up to you <laughs> pretty much. And so I said, all right, fine. And so we got, we came up with the deal where, uh, I go out there and as soon as I get in the ring, I just jump him. Just just get on him, get on him, get on him, get on him, right? Right. He, 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 right off the bat. And then out of the blue, as I'm shooting him in for a spot, he ducks one. And then out of a sudden he comes off with a bulldog. One, two, three. Now here's the, here's the, here's the kick in all this. Grizzly Smith was there at the time. You remember big Grizz? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Jake's them daddy. And. He told me, he's like, okay, after the one, two, three, cat, we just want you to lay there till we go to a commercial. That's what he was telling me in the back before the match. He goes, after the bulldog, He gets the one, two, three, you just lay there and sell it till we, till they go to a commercial, right? So I was like, huh, all right, whatever. So anyway, I go out there and get on him, bam, bam, boom, sabada, da, shoot him in, he ducks the clothesline, he comes off, I went for the backdrop, he goes for a freaking bulldog. One, two, three. I kick out at at uh, after like three, you know, one two three. I kick out, roll out. I'm not going to lay in no damn ring. Are you kidding me? I'm trying to go to WWF now because I know my 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 career is done here. You know what I'm saying? I ain't stupid. So one two three, I kick out, roll out, walk back to the freaking dressing room, right? And and, and Dusty, he's there, right? And I'm going, how was that? He goes, yeah, that's fine, cat. You know, because you know, I I had to protect myself, man. WCW is not the only company at the time where you can make a good living. Okay. Because I know after I got done with WCW, I went all over the country, all over the world. And I made some good money all over this planet because I didn't kill myself off. Right. See, you know, I mean, you have to be smart. I mean, now there's really not no, really no place to go make some big money and let you go to WWF. But, but you know, I knew what to do and when to do it. Now, you want me to go out here and do thirty seconds for your son, okay? but hot damn it, I'm not gonna lay there like yeah, a freaking the, idiot. There's no reason you why you, you couldn't have
1: powdered. there's no reason you couldn't have powdered out. you took a bulldog, you got it you got it, they they caught you boom i I mean i yeah. you would think that they would tell you powder out and and to and then we'll go off the air. that's I don't well, understand you know,
2: they, they wanted me to he they, he wanted me to kill myself, man. And so anyway, after that, when I stayed there, cause they called me and said, you know, if you want to go somewhere else, you know, we can let you out the, con- we can let you out the contract. I was like, no, I'm good. i you know, I waited, I wanted to get all my money. I ain't stupid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so my contract ran out. I was done. They didn't renew it. Uh, they was going, here's, here's another thing after dusty guy, they, they switched the book again. And so. Uh, 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 Bill Watts came in and got the book. I remember right? it. Well, But Bill Watts was highly, he was, he was wanting me. He was wanting to hire me. Okay. This is a shoot. Bill Watts, before I left, wanted to hire me, man. And he said, yeah, I, you know, I, I love the way you work, Curtis. You know, you know, uh, we set up a meeting at CNN building on 12th floor at the office, WCW office. He goes, yeah, I got You know, come up. Uh, we'll talk, you know. So I had a meeting set up with him, went up to it, to the office to talk to him because he wanted to give me another contract. Well, I get upstairs, took the elevator, went down the hall, got off, you know, went down to the office, went in, you know, told the secretary, yeah, I'm here to see Mr. Watson. Dusty, hey, how you doing, Dusty? And so I went in to to his office. When I went in to Bill Watson's office, and I sat in front of the desk. Dusty was sit, he came in, he came into the room and sat behind me by the door. So he's behind me by the door. I'm sitting in the chair in front of the desk, me and, Bill, me and Mr. Watson talking, right? And I got vision pretty good. So as we're talking, you know, I'm you know, looking around, whatever, and I see Dusty back there giving him sign languages and offices and things like that pertaining to, uh, you know, if he, should he give me another gig? You know, and once I seen that, I was like, "Oh man," you know. And after that, everything went downhill, man. Everything I, I, they didn't he didn't want to he didn't want to give me a contract after that. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. I appreciate all Dusty helped me to do in my career, but that particular uh, that particular time when I saw what he was doing and I didn't get the gig, man, I was like, "Man, that's low down." And uh, you know, I know some people say some things about people, but I'm not saying anything bad about the guy. I just, I just, Lord rest his soul. I, he helped my career, but I'm just, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have the big cat get, I mean the Mr. Hughes gimmick, sure. but I'm just telling you what happened in that situation. Why I didn't get another freaking contract. See? And that's the reason why I was, I I was gone. I was done. So once the contract was done I had the meeting, I'm done. So I'm going all over the world trying to eat and pay my bills. And then a year later, um, I had uh, tried to get a gig with WWF. Well, when I was in WCW, everybody partied. Everybody did drugs, everybody partied. And so, uh, like I tell some uh, former students how the business was, is that you can't trust people. This is a backstabbing business. People, you know, they, they, they get jealous of you. So they'll, they'll, they'll try to want your spot if you got a good spot in the company. They'll try to just get you out of the way so they can get that spot. You know, it's cutthroat. I'll tell them the truth yep. about this business, right? Yes, sir. And so, yes, sir. And so, and so with that said, man, I, I, I tried to, uh, 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 oh, God, me. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> I just tried, uh, everybody partied. And so when I tried to contact Vince and WWF, the first thing he asked me was, you still on drugs? You still have a drug problem? I'm going like, what now I'm trying to get in the WWF. Okay. Mind you, I'm not a stupid black person. I'm not going to call this big company dirty. Hear me. I was in shape. I quit doing drugs. I quit every damn thing because I already knew what the deal was. So anyway, when I called Vince and and he talked to me and he was like, yeah, you know, curse, you know, good looking athlete, you know, great gimmick, whatever. He goes, I'll tell you what, we're going to hold off on you for about a year. Uh, if you can prove to me that you're clean and all this and that, we'll do some business. I was like, all right, bet. So anyway, with that said, I had to go, you know, continue in my independent gigs and so I can survive and eat. Went all over the country, went all over the world, went to Japan, went everywhere, everywhere, everywhere I could get a booking. Cause once you get off TV, everybody wants you. Yep. There's a window. So anyway, I, I went to Puerto Rico, ended up going to Puerto Rico. And uh, I knew Sarge Slaughter from the AWA days. So I'm in Puerto Rico working with Carlos, bleeding, working with Vader, the one that killed Brody. We all bleeding every damn night. I hated it. And I had, had one of my Mr. Hughes shirts, and they would get all blood. I got to soak them and then wash them in the machine, see? I hated it. Anyway, uh, I come back to the room, and I got my, my light on the phone is flashing, you know, the, magic, the message light on right. the hotel phone. It's flashing. I'm going, Oh, I got a message. So I pick up the phone and I call down to the front desk and, Hey, how do I retrieve my messages? She told me how to do it. And on the other end, it was Sergeant Slaughter. He goes, Hey, cat, this is Sarge. How you doing, buddy? Give me a call when you get opportunity. So I called him back and he goes, Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm down here in Puerto Rico starving, <laughs> you know, he goes, I got some good news for you. Uh, i got a tryout for you. Uh, down in Augusta, w- w- uh, w- when you think you'll be back to Atlanta? I was like, well, today, it was Sunday when he called. And I was like, well, a matter of fact, I'm leaving in the morning. <laughs> and he goes back to Atlanta. I'm done with the tour. I'm done. Because I used to go up for collars on the weekend, see. Yeah. And I said, I'm, I'm leaving in the morning. And I'll be back tomorrow. He goes, all right, the date for you to come down to Augusta is such and such a date. He goes, bring your gear, bring all your stuff. Bring your Mr. Hughes gimmick. This just want to take a look at you. Him and J.J. Dillon. J.J. was down there at the time, too. So I, so I said, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call, bro. Get off the phone, man, and I'm crying, and I'm just so happy. You know what I'm saying? I'm just overwhelmed with joy because these guys gave me a call. But I mean, I, I worked hard. I mean, I worked all over this planet wrestling just so I could stay in shape, uh, I was clean. I didn't do anything. I did. I, I, everybody partied back then today, but once I got, you know, I was just doing it because it, it was fun. I wasn't no junkie. I wasn't addicted to any damn thing, right? right? So anyway, I get back home. I the day the, the time comes, the day of the tryout. I drive down to Augusta. I meet Vince, JJ Dillon. We talking. Hey, how you doing money? You know, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You know, you're a good looking kid. We love the way you work. You're a great athlete, blah, blah, blah. Hey, uh, we're going to do your first TV taper here tonight. Get a look at you. Now when I, when I, I said, great. So I went in the dressing room. This is shoot. I went in the dressing room and I'm getting dressed right now. Back then it was a lot of big time stars back then. At WWF, had big names. Right. And so we're all in the same dressing room, you know, how I set up and I went, and asked a couple of guys, I'm not going to say no names, but I asked a couple of guys. I was like, what do I need to do out there tonight? Prevents them to like this. I can get a job. You ain't going to believe what they told me. <laughs> okay. I, look, I'm not a dumb Negro. I'm not stupid. These guys told me, Hey Curtis, you need to go out there, if they give you a jobber, you need to sell for them, you need to bump for them. I mean, all the negative stuff <laughs> to keep you from getting a job, they were telling me to do this like I'm some dumb black person, right? So i go, i say, alright, I appreciate it. So i go and sit back down and finish putting my gear together, putting my stuff on. Finally, uh, I go to the TV sheet, look at the TV sheet and see what the lineup. Okay, I'm on this number, this number, you know how it works. Yeah. And I got like Three freaking matches, three freaking matches. So they give me a guy, the guys, I see who I'm working with. I find them and I was like, you know, what well, you want to do? Well, yeah, whatever. Right. And so I was like, okay, I thought about it right before we got, we got to the gorilla position and I'm going, all right. So before we went out there, I was like, okay, here's my opportunity. I need to do, I need to get Mr. Hughes over. Because they brought in Mr. Hughes, they didn't just bring in some person. They brought in the character. Because I got my Mr. Hughes stuff on, see. And what Vince told me he goes, go out there and do your thing. When he sure. told me that, I already knew what was up, right? Sure. When he said, go out there and do your thing, and I seen the guy that they 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 handed to me. He knew what his job was, right? So before we went out there, you know, he gave me a little fist pound and said, let's have some fun, do your thing. As he said the same damn thing. I went out there. And 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 uh, people and I and they, I got so much freaking booze, man. Once I did all that and I did my thing, did the sidewalk slam and all that, I came up with the name and everything, and went back to the gorilla position. And uh, and uh, Vince, you know, JJ said, "Yeah, Vince want to see you in the office." I'm like, "Oh no, okay, they don't like me, man." You know the test. I'm like, my butthole's puckering and everything else. I'm nervous. <laughs> I go in the office and. Vince is like, have a seat. And I sit down, man. I'm going like, oh, Lord. I mean, I'm serious. My heart is beating like a big bass drum inside. And he goes, he goes, Curtis, we like what we see. He goes, tonight, we're going to do your first TV taping. You're going to have three tapings tonight. And we're going to uh, get your contract in the mail for you. We're going to pay you this much money. I was like, holy mother pearl. I called my mama, told her what was up and went out there and did my matches. I mean, once they got me, once I got there uh, uh, in Augusta, I mean, they started the ship rolling. I mean, every time they had a TV tape and I was on it, I mean, they was handing me enhancement, double guys, you know, handicap matches. And then eventually, you know, hope I ain't getting too far ahead, but eventually they put, you know, put me against Taker. Taker, yeah. Yeah, eventually that, thats when that angle, That's when it came to me after all the stuff we went through. Because before I got to Taker, now you know I had to, everybody had to get my hand raised, right? Okay. All the all the stars from Bret Hart to Macho Man to Duggan—I mean, everybody. I
1: what after, today, What so? What happened after Taker? Because uh, it didn't. It seemed like it was going great, and then it seemed like it didn't work yep. out all of a sudden.
2: Well, what happened was remember I told you earlier that see a lot of young people don't know about the business and I'm gonna tell you when you are a dark-skinned person in this business and you're getting the push with the ultimate guy to work with, which was undertaker at the time right he was the top dog outside of Hogan right everybody wanted to work taker because you know when you got your check that night it was fat okay? Sure. Absolutely. Plus, Undertaker drew money, right? And so people wanted to wrestle that guy. If you couldn't wrestle Hogan or Bret Hart, one of the main guys, you were just average, you know, one of the underneath guys. But me, they stuck me with one of the top dogs, all right? And so when that happened, a lot of guys were pissed.
1: You know, here's how uh, it works. Politics is, uh, is not... not One of the great things about this business. No, it's
2: not. For example, say for example, you and me, uh, uh, say you're Undertaker and and I'm me, right? And there's other people in line to work with you, okay?
1: Right.
2: I mean, you know, for example, you know, Ellie got that they stuck in with Undertaker didn't work out. You know, they throw somebody else in there, it didn't work out. They throw somebody else in there, It didn't draw no money. So, okay, we're gonna try Mr. Hughes, And the Undertaker. But understand, I came in, this young cat, and they've, Vince took me from way in the back of the line and put me way in the front of the line of all these guys. I got you. That's supposed to get a shot. You follow me? I understand exactly what you're saying. When he did that, it kind of wrinkled some tail feathers, see? And so, with that said, when I got the gig to work Undertaker, guys started creating lies. See, they started bringing up old lies. Oh, he, you know, Mr. Hughes going around asking for money for drugs. You see?
1: Yeah.
2: Like th- this one time I was with this rat, shouldn't have picked her up, but fell asleep. She woke up took all my money. I didn't have no money, (laughs) so I had to get a draw. So I had to get some money for the next day before the next day we can get a draw. So I'm going around knocking on people's doors that I knew. If I can, can I borrow 50 bucks till tomorrow, man? Some rat stole my money. Well, there people thinking, because I'm asking for 50 bucks just till tomorrow, they thinking I'm trying, I'm buying drugs. So that story got to Vince. By the time it got to Vince, it was all out of proportion. Oh, Mr. Hughes is going around asking for money all night long so he can get some crack. Hear me? But here's the, here's the deal, man. Look, I'm making tons of money in main events matches, casket matches all over this freaking country. Why would I jeopardize that for some stinking drugs? And I worked my tail off to get to this point. Are you kidding me? And so what happened? ended up happening was, uh, we went to Anaheim, California. Our last, we had, we had, we had, we was at Anaheim, California. We had one more gig, then we was going home, right? So I'm riding with the Bretts. I'm riding with the Hart brothers, Brett and Owen. We was up on the California loop. We ended up in Anaheim, right? So we pull in, we get our bags, we walk around the concourse down there towards the dressing room. Now, when we get kind of around the corner, around the bend, I see these guys in these butcher jackets you know, doctors, you know, and I'm going like, oh, I wonder what's going on anyway. So I get around and me and Brett and Owen, we get closed down. And the guy was like, uh, one of the agents, I think it was blackjack mulligan. He goes, Hey Curtis, let me talk to you for a minute. So I said, all right, can, let me go. Can I put my bag? let me go put my bag down. So I went in the dressing room, put my bag down, went back in there. And he goes, yeah, you know, they wanted to give you a drug test. I was like, huh? Uh, what for? You know? And he goes, Well, you know, so Vince wants you to have a drug test. That's all they told us. And uh and so and, and so Brett, he had came to the door, he, he waves me up like, Come here, you know? He goes, What's going on? Curtis, I'm going like, Well, they want me to take a drug test. He goes, For what? You've been with us the whole loop. I said, I don't know. He goes, Owen says if I was you I wouldn't take the test. <laughs> I'm going like, dude, if I don't, they gonna think I'm guilty and there's nothing to hide. Right? right. So anyway, uh, went went ahead in the bathroom and pissed in the cup, gave it back to him. Went back in, got dressed, had the match with The Undertaker, right? Right. Now, after I got done with The Undertaker, they, uh, Blackjack comes to me. He goes, Curtis, uh, Vince said uh, he wants you to go ahead and uh, head to the airport. They're going to put you on a red eye. They're going to call you in the morning. I was like, huh? I said, what are you talking about? I ain't, I ain't, I ain't anything. He goes, well, they just, Vince just don't like headaches, right? So they just sent me home before the test results even came back. They sent me home. I went home. I had to earn and everything. That's when it was like, Vince, <laughs> you know, his secretary called. And said, yeah, Vince, you hold for Vince, please. So Vince get on the phone and talking and this and that and the other. And he goes, well, Curtis, you know, I was like, I didn't do anything, Vince. I, what what, what did the test say? 'Cause I knew they was clean. He goes, Well, you know, we ain't gonna worry about that right now. He goes, just take a break and uh, you know, till the smoke clears and then uh, you know, when I, when the smoke clears and we'll bring you back. In the meantime, could you call Adam Bomb, Brian Clark, and give him a hook up with it so you can give him that urn. I said, Whoa, 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 wait, 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 whoa, wait, wait, hold it. What the hell? I said, What you what you trying to tell me here? I'm done i I'm finished, I'm done? He goes, yeah. For now, you know, we're gonna keep paying you till your contract's over, uh, you know, and then and then we'll take it from there once we, you know, you know, feel like we're ready to bring you back in, and that's what happened. And come to find out, a year later, that everybody lied. That's why they brought me back. See, that's why they bring me back. Brought me back three different times because every time I went there, they gave me a drug test. They gave me a blood test. They gave me a hair test. Every test you could give a person to determine if they clean or not, they gave it to me. See? And so whoever told Vince those lies, I bet they feel like an idiot. Yeah. See? Because but, when I tell people I've been to WWF three times, would be like, damn, that's a lot longer a lot of people been. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but each time, there was always something. Even time, you know, every time I went there, they put me with somebody good. I mean, you know, I was with Jericho. I was with triple H. I mean, they always put me with somebody, you know, that, 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 that drew money, you see. And, uh, you know, and then they had me do a deal with the rock. And I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was awesome. We had a good time until that, until that happened, until the stooges came out, you know?
1: Yeah. It's a tough business, man. And if you're, if, you know, there's only so many spots and there's, uh, it's a lot of politics involved and i you know it's i, I unfortunately i'm not i'm, I'm i didn't know the, the story behind your story but i'm not surprised uh you know it's yeah, one of the absolutely. reasons it's yeah. one of the reasons wcw imploded um you know yeah. and with, with with so many so much money on the line and so many uh, uh big names so um yeah it's unfortunate and um you know i wish i could say that that's that, that that doesn't happen anymore. I don't think it happens as much, but uh, you know, it's it's a po- political yeah. business, and there's only so many spots for sure. Hey, before we no go, doubt. and I appreciate your time. Uh, how, how'd you get into the training business? And uh, I, I mentioned Moose, Paulo Cruz, Heath Slater. Yeah. Um, uh, you had seen yeah. some others. Uh, uh, who else? Have, who else have you trained? And and let everybody know where they could uh, where they could get in touch with you if they want to train to be a wrestler because that's quite a learning tree that you haven't started to assemble. Under
2: you. Well, uh in Atlanta, uh, uh, Rocky King, you remember him? Yeah, I love Rocky and at the time, uh, Rocky was doing some business with this guy named Frank Aldrich. And Frank owned a club called Good Old Days. And and then he opened up this school called WWA four. He had a couple other trainers, I mean even Sarge worked for him. You remember Sarge, yeah, Buddy yeah. Lee Parker. He, he 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 trained at the school you know, too, but it was another guy named uh, Steve Platinum. He used to run, he used to run the thing and they had a little falling out. Him and Steve Platinum had a falling out and therefore he fired Steve. And so Steve took the students with him. They followed him like idiots. Right. So Rocky called me and he goes, Hey cat, uh, Frank, the guy that used to own good old days, looking for a trainer. Would you be interested in, Training, and I was like, "Of course, yeah, why not?" I, I always wanted to teach, and so he gave me a number. I called him. We talked. I went and met him at the place where it was at at the time, behind Club Wax, out there on Fort Industrial Boulevard, and we talked. and uh, And when I started at the place, there was nobody there. There was no students there at all, and so he asked me. He says, "So." Uh, what do you think uh, we need to do to start getting students in here? And I was like, uh, well, you know I mean uh, uh, you know <laughs> internet, we can yeah. start with that and you can put on there you know former this the former that 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 right. superstar training here. I want a man who beat the undertaker you know, earn I mean use all that stuff, you know sure. and so he, he google he put it on Google. And so he would, he would, what he did was he, he, you know, how when you Google stuff a lot, it'll pop up first. Right. And so what he did was he would, he, 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 I think he did it a thousand times, (laughs) 2000 times where if you type in WWA four, boom, that's the first thing that pops up as far as wrestling schools go. Okay. So he did that. And then, uh, uh, put me, you know, say Mr. Hughes is the trainer and he fought the undertaker and he was in this company, that company, so forth and so on. Next thing you know, people started coming. Heat, heat, I think he was like the first few students that I had. Uh, Heath, Heath Miller, Heath Slater was at right. the WWE, but he called himself Heat now because he's doing some Impact stuff. And yeah. so uh, that's how uh, that career training career started uh, with me. And then of course we're talking about all the students that I've trained. Uh, we got Kiara Hogan, which she's in. She's in, She's in. Well, uh, you impact.
1: trained her. She's fantastic.
2: Yes, I did. I trained her. Big I've, trained uh, I've trained Moose. I've trained Apollo Crews. He's in the WWE. I've trained Sam Shaw. He's in the NXT WWE. I've trained uh, Antoine Brewer, who used to be the fireman. He's a referee at WWE. I've trained Jonathan Gresham. He's in Ring of Honor. Wow. I've trained... Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, 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 SP the Ghost, uh, they go all over the place. He had a gig with uh, uh, Ring of Honor. Chad Skywalker, same thing. He was done stuff with Ring of Honor. They're, they've done stuff with Reality of Wrestling and Booker T. They go all over the place. Um, uh, Baron Black, he does stuff with AEW, that new company. Is that
1: is that right? AEW? No, AEW.
2: AEW. I'm sorry. He does. He, he's in A AEW. And, uh, you know, so, so you know, all these different, you know, uh, De- Deshaun Bishop, he was at NXT years ago. Uh, you know, so there's a, a lot of stars. That's why when I put stuff on things, I'll say trainer of superstars, which is a shoot, you yeah. know, because I, I, I believe I'm the, I'm the only trainer out there that has ever trained as many people in all these different companies, you see. And That's so awesome. there's a method. I tell people there's a method of training. It took me a couple of years to figure it out. But once I figured it out, I put my knowledge uh, with what I was wanting to teach these kids, which is old school uh, style of wrestling. And and that's what I do. And I guess once they get looked at and they see that they know what they're doing, they snatch them right on up, you know. And so, you know, all these people, they're out there making a living at this. Uh, you see them when they come in, like, for example, Heath Slater. I remember when he started. You know he's a little skinny red-headed white guy from Virginia he coming in a lot of these kids did not know how far that they would go they were going to make it but my job as a trainer and teacher is to encourage them that if you will work hard if you listen to me if you write everything down and if you come in here every day that the doors are open you're going to make it you got to stay positive. You got to stay hungry. I tell him that all the time, up to this day. And the good thing that I look forward to is when I turn the TV on and I see one of my guys going in that ring, like Apollo Cruz. He, he was the U.S. United States champion in WWF. I yeah. mean, you know, WWE, you understand? And then Heath Slater was a former tag champion in WWF. So, wow. so, you know. You know, Jonathan Gresham, Moose, heavyweight champion and impact. So, you know, all these guys that are making it, that are doing great things. We're all blessed, by the way, because I'm a Christian and I tell people, you know, we're blessed. And, you know, chip off the old block, you might say, you know. So when you see these cats and they say, oh, Mr. Hughes trained me, there's a reason why that they're getting a break, you see. Yeah, he was, right was
1: on this. Heath was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he he put you over like a million bucks. He did said yeah, if it wasn't it, wasn't was for finding your school, uh, the little kid out of West Virginia, he said um, he said he wouldn't have gotten where he got. So so how could people yeah. find uh, find your school? Because if I'm if I'm trying to get into a major company, I'm going. I'm I'm saying uh, you know uh, you know uh, Mr. Hughes yeah. Curtis Hughes is my guy. I need to go there.
2: Right. Well, right now, due to Corona, there's nothing going on right now. Ah, I got you. I, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, until this thing, you know, they get a vaccine and everybody got to take these masks off. I'm not doing any teaching right now. Now I might do a seminar or something like that, and if I do, uh, I can be found on Facebook and Instagram. Now on, on Facebook, it's Mr. Curtis Hughes on Facebook, and then I got, and then Total Protection, Mr. Hughes on Facebook, and then on Instagram, it's Bodyguard Hughes on Instagram, and uh, uh, th- that's pretty much it. How you can find me, you can just you know, message me or something if uh, you want to do a podcast or um, you know uh, do a, a, a seminar somewhere and or you know bring me in for a show, whatever. I do all that stuff still, but uh, you know, it, it, it just it just I appreciate you uh, getting with me uh, to do this podcast because I really enjoy. it talking about my students that I've trained and the ones that are really being successful and, and making a good living at this. Cause I can remember when these guys come in, uh, young and, you know, didn't know how things were going to turn out, uh, you know, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and tuna out of the can and all that. And now, you know, they make it, you know, over hundreds, a of hundred of thousands of dollars, you know, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. And especially when you see them, uh, walking down the aisle in WWF, WWE, that's always WWF to me. Uh, and you see people that, you know, at these companies where you worked at, you know, what, what what one big thing that really excited me one time on WWF Raw, WCW Raw, excuse I mean, uh, WWE Raw, is one day I seen Heat and Apollo Crews work a match on SmackDown Raw. Oh, cool. When I seen that, that was the ultimate freaking. Oh, it was a dream come true, man. Because I always say, man, I would love to see two of my guys work each other on TV together. And I actually got to see it and they went down. It's so you can see it. If you, uh, if you got the network, you just look it up. Heath Slater and Friggin' Apollo Cruise, Monday night roll. Plus, uh, you Moose,
1: know? Moose worked, uh, Heath, uh, uh, when he right, came yeah. to Tampa. Yes, I, yeah, I was, I forgot I was right there that. in the middle of the ring, introducing them in, in ring introductions. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. And I think, I think I've been to good old days. You said good old days. And I was like, Oh, some yeah. light bulb went yeah. off in my head. I think I've been to good old days. God, I haven't yeah, thought about used that to place.
2: He Yeah. to so hold yeah. wrestling shows there a lot. And a lot of the young WCW guys used to work for him, you know, and they did, they worked at uh, under a tent at yeah. the bar, but the place used to be packed, you know, yeah. and I didn't ever think a million years that I would end up working for the guy, but, uh, I I tell him, you know, I go visit him because he's damn near 90. You know, he's old. He's old guy, man. He looks good. He's still in good shape. But I tell him many times that I appreciate him giving me the gig to teach these people because he didn't know. (laughs) I'm glad he had faith in me because all he did, once we got the ball rolling and people started joining and we had packed houses and he was making money, all he did was come in on Monday. And paid me, and I wouldn't see him to the following Monday. He let me run the place. I built that place. Okay. Remember, I started when there's nobody there. And from from the time I started, we built that school to what it was until I left, you know. And so, it, you know, handed it over to AR Fox. But uh, other than that, you know, I forgot to mention him, but yeah, I trained him as well. But, you know, it, 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 it's, uh, it, it's been a good. Uh, a good career for me, and now I get to see uh, young people I've trained, uh, you know, walk down that same aisle and experience the good life of being a professional wrestler. That you know, you can say, "Hey, I, I work for this company." You know, the same company that uh, you know my trainer, uh, uh, you know, uh, did. You know what I'm saying? So it's a pretty good thing.
1: Well, Curtis, I appreciate you coming on and telling your story. Uh it's it's not the perfect story, but it's certainly a story of if you stick with it and you have the talent and you uh you you can figure out the politics, uh you can make a living, a, a decent living, good living, uh in this wrestling business for a long time. So uh No doubt
2: about
1: it. I think it was you fast. Definitely can. The whole key
2: to it. And the whole key to it is for young people out there that are trying to or thinking about being a professor of the Man, you got to do some research before you just jump and go to the first person you see. You have to make sure that you know the person that you're going to see has got people already in the business that's out there making a living at it. Because if they don't have anybody either on in the big companies making money. I'm not saying they're not a good trainer. I'm just saying you got to look at those type of things when you go to somebody and you look them up and you go, "Okay, how many people that this person trained that's making money, that made that's having a career?" You follow me? Yeah, for because sure. a lot of guys make a dumb mistake you can go to anybody, and then next thing you know, they don't learn, they don't know anything. You know what I'm saying? They, they're, they're, they're garbage. They're terrible. See, and that's what hurt. That's what's hurting the business today. You see. So there you have it.
1: All right. Well, hey, thank you for, again for coming on. It was good seeing you uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, more about uh, that uh, project coming up in uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know if I can get oh, yeah. the cat out of the and bag yet. And I got yet. a book coming out. And I got oh, you... a book coming out pretty oh, soon. Oh, so we'll be, uh, let, me, let me know. Keep in touch. Uh, text me when the book comes out so we can plug it for sure. No doubt about and it. No doubt about it. Appreciate you, brother. All right, man. Thank you for telling your story. God bless you. Be safe. You too, we'll see. Thank you. I want to thank Curtis Hughes for his participation and some great stories and some great insight into the wrestling business. kind of interesting to speak to these guys that got into the business right around the times the territories were ending and all the national companies were uh, taking place and some not so much taking place, some failing. And um, to see their perspective on what they would have thought if they... The, the territory system would have stayed around, but um, you know, as 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 we say, you got to roll with the punches, and uh, and there's no more territories anymore. So, uh, so great insight from him, and appreciate him uh, being on. Looking forward next week to another edition of Sitting Ringside. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at David Penzer, all one word, and be sure to subscribe wherever. You get this podcast, spread the word, tell your friends and neighbors. And until next week, I'm David Penzer,
0: still sitting ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is a Landry football quick fix on Radio Influence. A couple of things that jumped out at me that just more and more concerning about Michigan. And as I watch them and study them, they've got Indiana this week. Did not see any way they would lose to Michigan State. And it just goes to show you, the biggest thing I see with Michigan is, you know, Jim's inability over time to embrace and teach a little bit more of a modernized offense. Look, I mean, he brought in Josh Gaddis with the idea to do just that. It hasn't worked. The personnel, they're somewhat limited. But yet, in terms of what they want to do, it's, it's not gelling. And the, I've always said that, in a nutshell, the biggest thing that Jim hasn't done well at Michigan, that he did well at Stanford and in San Francisco, was hire well. Things haven't worked very well. And that's been the problem. And I don't see them growing their offense. They've got a young quarterback. But they don't really do a good enough job of working that young quarterback in an offensive system, raw concepts. You know, it's hard for them to do. I mean, it's fine to run the football, it's fine to be physical. But if you can't get a defense spread out, you're going to have a hard time running it, and you're going to have a hard enough time scoring the football enough. I and mean, that's a problem. And, um, you know, one of the things that Jims has done is he's pretty much beaten the teams he's supposed to and he's falling short against the teams that maybe are a little bit better. But losing to Michigan State now, this is not losing to Mark D'Antonio at the height of his success. This is getting beat by our first-year coach that just Michigan made four more mistakes. The Landry Football Podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.